Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Nerd Party. Scully? Yes? Marry me. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. I love that woman. I love her more than sharks love blood. I love you. You do Hello, I'm Tristan Riddell. And I'm the girl. And this is Nerd Nuptial episode 128. Today we are going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 2. But before we get into that, we want to apologize for not being around the past two weeks. Yeah, we've had colds for probably two and a half weeks. Coming up on three. Like we almost didn't do this podcast because we are still sick. You might actually hear it in our voices. but... We were like, sorry. At least it's better than last week. Last week would have been a disaster. Oh, my gosh. We feel so terrible whenever we have to take more than, like, one week off, sometimes life happens. Right. You know, like you're sick or there's circumstances. Two weeks, we try really hard not to do do, that. We do, but it happens. But it happens. And we almost took three weeks off. Like, we're recording this on the day we're dropping it. Yes. uh, Just because of life circumstances happening around it, too. So it's just been a whirlwind of 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 trying to live life and get things done, including this <laughs> podcast. So we really do appreciate you guys for sticking with us. And um, some of you even emailed us and tweeted us asking us how we were because somehow <laughs> it, it siphoned through that uh, that we were sick. And so we really do appreciate that. And yeah, thank uh, you. If you uh, do, if you have any show suggestions or anything that you want us to talk about. Uh, please uh, write us by going to thenerdparty.com slash contact. Select Nerd Nuptial from the drop-down menu. Fill out the form. It'll send us an email. You can also find us all over social media. All you need to do is go to thenerdparty.com. And we have links to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are all over the place. <laughs> so if you hear us cough, we apologize. <laughs> or if you hear her in a voice, there's nothing we can do. But we wanted to give you an episode this week because Star Trek Discovery Season 2 has wrapped the season finale That's was right. last Thursday. We watched all of them. All of them. Yes. All of them. Yes. And I really love talking about Discovery with you because whenever we finish an episode, you always turn to me and go, so <laughs> what did you think? Well, you're such a diehard Star Trek fan that, and I'm not, as mm-hmm. listeners know. So I look at it very differently than you do. So there's a lot of stuff that I'm like inside baseball type things for you that I don't know about. And a lot of times you'll like explain it to me after the episode. Um, Sometimes during if it's really important. If it's really important. Right. But most of the time it's not. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, I'm always interested to see how you feel about the episode because I know how important it is to you. So there will be spoilers. Yes. In this There's just no way we can talk about it. No, it's the end it. of the, the yeah, it's, season. It's so. the end of the season. If you haven't seen it yet, I mean, like, it was released on Thursday for American audiences, released on Friday for international audiences. We're now recording this on Monday. You've had enough time. You've had enough time. If you're if you're interested in this podcast about Star Trek Discovery Season 2, then you've already watched it. You've already watched it. So um, we're not going to give you any spoiler warning, actually, except for this one. Spoiler yeah, warning. that's right. <laughs> We will be talking about spoilers. So, yeah, okay, so it ended, it was 14 episodes, which was an episode less than last season, but the last two episodes was basically one big episode. Right. Because, like, I I hate that they cut them up, because the first episode was, I mean, I'm sorry, the second to last, the penultimate episode, was nothing but set up. Yeah. Nothing but set up. Mm -hmm. You you can't even call it an episode on its own. Yeah, it was a lot of... Just, I mean, it probably could have been shortened, oh my to be gosh. honest, yeah. um, because not a lot happened. Like, it was a lot of build-up. I feel like... That's all. <laughs> it was just build-up. Right. It was just build-up. And, right. and even the episode before that yes. was kind of just build-up, too. Yeah. 
And so Such Sweet Sorrow, part one and part two, could have been 90 minutes Mm -hmm. without being two hours. Yeah. In my opinion. I think so too. Uh, But before we get into like really dissecting the last episode, because a lot happened in the the real last episode, uh, I want to know, how did you think, what did you think about season one? Like when you, when you've been, and, and everybody, you should go back to our back catalog, go to the nerdparty.com slash nerdnuptial, and I'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, but our episode, uh, not episode one, season one review of Star Dis- Discovery. But I want to know from you, what did you think of season one? I guess now looking back mm-hmm. from after watching season two, looking back at season one, I f- really feel like they were trying to find themselves as a series, like as a new Star Trek um series and looking back at it i really do feel like season two is a lot stronger i feel like the actors found their characters in season two i feel like the story was stronger overall um definitely more like week to week episodes as well which feels more star trek to me um as well as having that overarching like this is the main story of the Red Angel, mm-hmm. which was good. Um, whereas when I look back at season one, I felt there was a lot of wasted episodes, a lot of time spent that I, I as a non-Star Trek fan, was not really interested in. And I felt like it was beautiful, just like season two, but a lot of the characters, they were really having a hard time like flushing them out. And I felt like there was a lot of like awkward moments or just (laughs) moments where you're like, why, why do they do that? Um, So from my perspective, like I have no desire to go back and watch season one, not at all, not even a little bit. Um, Whereas season two, I felt like it was good if I was to like, when season three comes out, I wouldn't mind watching season two again Mm. versus season one. I'm kind of like, no, I'm good. (laughs) This is coming from a non yeah. Die hard Star Trek fan. Like, you know about Star Trek. Yes. You know the general just because you're married to a die hard exactly. Star Trek fan. Exactly. But I really love hearing your opinions, not only because you're smart and beautiful, but <laughs> because you have that pseudo outsider perspective where you've seen some TNG, you've seen the movies. Right. And so you're a sci fi fan. Right. And you're an educated sci fi fan, but you're, you don't have all the hang ups that I do. Like, I come <laughs> with. 32 years of Star Trek baggage on my back. Sure, yeah. And expectations of what you think they should do, Mm -hmm. you know. And Star Trek fans, no offense to all of you, but you tend to be very harsh because you love your material so much. It's like that that love is so strong Mm -hmm. that you also dissect it very, like, harshly. And, like, believe me, I, I have my own vices in that way where I love something so much like Star Wars that... Like, I have a hard time enjoying things that don't go the way that I want them to go. I totally get it. I think the first thing that, okay, what's the, what's, when you think about that, when you, you mention your own vice, what pops into your head? Because I have something that pops in my head about you too. Oh, Han and Leia. Oh, Han and Leia? Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's not what he was in, everything yeah. thinking of. Yeah. And um, how they ended up messing that whole thing up. I think a lot of people agree with you on that one. <laughs> the thing that popped in my head was Hunger Games. Oh, Okay. Okay, because yeah, I you, was very into Hunger Games, yeah. You love the novels. You I love did. Katniss Everdeen as a protagonist. Yeah. And then the movies came out and you're just like, mm, that's not what was in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's very true. Yeah, I was just very disappointed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with Star Trek Discovery, actually, it's, it's, like talking about season one again, like going back to season one, I wouldn't mind rewatching the second half of Star Trek Discovery season one. Okay. I think for me, that was much more entertaining and... Um, it had like it was much more focused on the mirror universe storyline. That's true. That was interesting. And to a point. I, I, yes, exactly. To a point. Like a lot <laughs> of people thought that they overdid it with the mirror universe. I did, and, and they and they probably did. I yeah. mean, even someone who enjoyed that storytelling felt like okay, maybe they spent too much time in it. But the reason why I liked it is because it was one unified story with one unified goal, and it didn't really feel like there was too many wasted moments that's that's not true um but like <laughs> I, was say, I, think, I can think of a lot of wasted moments no no yeah it's to- i'm totally <laughs> it, wrong. at least it was like a story that was interesting in the first season yes it, yes it was one storyline that i really really liked and that i felt like they all had like i said they all had a goal they were going towards 
they were all unified and trying to get something done. And in the first half, it just felt like a just a melange of seeing what stick sticks. Well, and I I also feel like the bar wasn't very high when we got to the mirror universe mm-hmm. storyline. So it was like, oh, finally something interesting that seems cohesive. And it was also like they had a mid season break in between where they took some time True. off. And they had so much behind-the-scenes drama with Brian Fuller dropping out and then trying to find a decent showrunner and then, you know, like, mixing and matching storylines of, like, what Fuller's vision was. Do we adhere to Fuller's Fuller's vision? Do we mm-hmm. not? And then the same thing happened in season two. Yeah. Like, when they were prepping for season two, like, they had two showrunners that got kicked off because apparently they were too abusive to their staff, which is insane. That's crazy. And and so it's just like, it's it made me sad that that same kind of thing happened in season two. And now that they're doing a soft reboot, like a not so soft reboot mm-hmm. um, on, for season three, which is a, which a, like, you're going to have the same crew, same ship, but completely different circumstances. Right. Completely different mission statement. Right. They're in the future. They're they're going to be in the future, so they're not going to be tied to canon. They're not going to be tied to retconning. Right. They're not going to have to worry about um, screwing up any storylines. Like, they can do whatever they want with Which, technology. Com- to be completely honest, is what they probably should have done to begin with. Like, they probably should have just started past all of the past history. Like, they should have just been like, okay, this is a new Star Trek that's why it makes sense that we have all this cool technology, everything like that. Whereas like, the entire time, especially this season, it's like they constantly had to explain themselves. Constantly had to explain like, themselves. Like, oh, this is why there's holograms. Oh, this is why we have spore drive. This is why we can't have spore drive. This you is know? why we can't have holograms. Exactly. Like, it was just, it was almost like you just could hear the writers apologizing to the fans. And... As a non fan, it was just a kind of exhausting, and it was just like, oh my gosh, wow! And let's focus and I, on story. And I think they honestly, like, they realized how poorly they messed up in season one, and how like the fans just screaming at them, and then that's why they had to apologize because they know their base and they understand that they had to like make up for that. That being said, I really did enjoy the Pike storyline and him being involved. Yes, um, in Michael's story. Like, I really enjoyed Pike as a character. Like, I said it a few weeks ago when we talked about, I think, the opener even. Yeah. Um, but he he was probably my favorite part about season two. He is, I think, universally loved by every fan. Like, like fans who, um, who watch the show and are critical, fans who watch the show and just love everything that comes out. And um, I can't talk about the people who hate watch the show <laughs> um because i try not to interact with them yeah uh but yeah i feel like everybody loves pike everybody wants a pike show now well and it kind of i mean let's go to the end of the season of season two it, it almost felt like that's what they were setting up in a way it was, which was weird because we know that it's discovery like that's the name of the show so it was very strange because it almost felt like oh now we're gonna follow them i think Yes, because I got that I got that reaction too, where I'm just like, oh, this is weird that we're not ending even at a hint of discovery. Yeah, like why not even a little bit in the future? Like it felt like a show ender. Yeah, like, discovery is out there, and we're never going to see him again. Exactly. Obviously, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. But that's what the show that's what the show's visual language told us was that discovery's gone. We're never going to see them again. And Pike, Spock, and Number One are out going to and, and just going to right. do their adventures. But also reflecting on it, I think what they really were doing was the way that the ending shot um, progressed, where they started in the bridge and the camera went out of the the top dome bubble, and then we saw the ship warp forward. I think that was them saying goodbye to the 23rd century. Oh, me too. Saying like, like Pike, Spock, and number one are having those adventures before Kirk comes aboard. Because it was a mirror of the opener of the first pilot of Star Trek, the original series, The Cage, where the camera is outside the ship and then it goes through the dome into the bridge where Pike, right. number one, Which was and fan Spock service. Is. I mean, they even had like the theme playing. Yes, um, the TOS So theme. you knew what they were doing and they were definitely like saying, okay, goodbye, this cast that we just 
saw in season two. Yeah. And now we're moving forward so into the w- future. Yeah, it was weird because like they were saying goodbye to the cast, but they did it in such a way where you're just like, but it felt yeah. But like, are we saying goodbye? And I, to be completely honest, I was kind of like, I wouldn't mind seeing Pike's ship. Like, I I enjoyed him so much that like that was interesting to me. But again, like, um, <coughs> I think it's finally in the right place where it's like Discovery is in the future. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to make more sense. Like they have all the essential people they need. Yeah, right, um, right. So it's almost like now the show is in the right place and to continue forward. Which is really funny because like when the show was coming out, like I had very, very honest conversations with friends where I said it was like Discovery needs to be amazing right out of the gate. We need to have a killer season one and a killer season two because we do not exist in the 80s and 90s anymore. We can't like we like the the world does not have the patience to allow shows to grow. Mm. And thankfully, I mean, I, I still think I'm right, but <laughs> Discovery needed those seasons, especially with the behind the scenes drama to grow. And so I'm super excited about season three. And I'm glad that they're allowed to have a season three, because if you look at Almost all of the Star Treks, if you look at The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, like all of them took until season three or four to really kick it in gear. Okay. To be great. Truly great. Okay. Like Star Trek The Next Generation, which is heralded as one of the greatest shows of all time, not just sci-fi shows or Star Trek shows, shows of all time. The first two seasons aren't good. So it, it took that long. Yeah, it's just, and, you know, thankfully, Star Trek has the base that's willing to stick with them no matter right. what. Right. So it's interesting. It it's, really is. It is really interesting. So I'm very much looking forward to season three mm-hmm. being that that reboot of exploring new life forms and new civilizations. Right. Being free of all this whining about retconning. Well, they and don't have any strings attached to them anymore. No like they don't have to explain anything anymore. They don't have to like go back and say like, oh well, even though I know we're you know in the past, like this, you know, Spock's gotta be you know, like we don't have to deal with any of that anymore. Yeah. It's now like their own show, which is the way it should have been. It makes me think about Voyager, where Voyager was flung into the Delta Quadrant. And they're like, our mission statement is to get home. Mm-hmm. And and we're like, we have no, like, we're not connected to Starfleet anymore. Like, we're just a ship out in the middle of nowhere. And so Discovery is going to be like that. But it makes me wonder what the mission statement of the show is. Are they going to try to get back home? Yeah, what's the deal? Are they um, are they just going to be like, okay, we exist in this time now. Let's make a life for ourselves. I, I kind of gather that that was the deal kind of felt that way was like okay this is what's gonna happen now like we knew the risks going into starfleet and like this is what the deal is now is now we do our job in the future whatever that may mean yeah whatever that may be like we're gonna be the representatives of the federation in 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 this whatever century they're in right so the only thing i i'm interested in i maybe you can answer this for me like because it confuses me there was like a episode standalone episode where there was a man on Discovery by himself. It was a short trek. It was yeah. a short trek, and um, like the 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 ship itself mm-hmm. was very like very super aware. super aware, super advanced, like emotional mm-hmm. even. Um, and they had talked about like Discovery being like abandoned for a thousand so, years. Uh, for a thousand years, so it makes you wonder, like from watching this short trek, like. That obviously is now in the future. Mm-hmm. So, what causes them to abandon Discovery? Will that happen right away, or will that take time to be like answered? Here's the thing that makes it even more complicated: is that Discovery, from our perspective, the 23rd century, jump a thousand years into the future. Mm-hmm. And so, if they're even if they abandon Discovery right away. Mm-hmm. The ship says that she's been abandoned for a thousand years. So does that mean the episode Calypso, the short trek Calypso, takes place two thousand years from the twentieth century? Yeah, that's a good question. And so, how does that work? Or did she mean like we've like uh, like the people like are they going to try to retcon that? Did they not think this? Did the writers not think Calypso through? Um, But it feels like too too purposeful like why would you make it a short trek unless you had a plan you know yes exactly like, it was an interesting story but that alone wouldn't 
cause you to write that episode unless you had a plan for it. It yeah. feels like I need to go back and rewatch Calypso, or at least just that reference of her saying a thousand years, because it could mean like, oh, well, our mission, our original mission, was a thousand years ago, mm-hmm. or have I been, have you been abandoned for a thousand? It's just, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's a good question. We won't know until season three, right? Or, the, or maybe later, or we maybe don't later. Know. I don't yeah. know, but uh, but yeah, so like, it makes you wonder, like, is, does Calypso take place a thousand years from the twenty third century or two thousand years from yeah. the twenty third century? So we talked about liking Pike, and you liked Pike as well. Yes. Um. Did you like Spock? He was fine. Me too. I, I don't really care. People love, love, like people who like Spock love Spock. Um, I was just kind of like, he's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't hate him. I don't dislike him, but I also don't like him either. He's just kind of there. Yeah. I don't see Spock when I see him. Yeah, I don't either. And I, th- it's, I'm not saying he didn't do a good job. And so I don't want people jumping down my throats. My throats? I have multiples. Um, <laughs> I I just this is I'm not trying to sound like one of those guys, but it was it's easier for me to see Quinto as Spock because it's a different universe. Okay. But when I see um, Peck as Spock, I'm like oh, that's not Leonard Nimoy. But isn't it so hard to like? I mean, that's the same reason why I had a hard time with Solo. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like when you have such an iconic character played by such a fantastic actor that owns that character so much that you're just like they're one and the same to you that is such a hard job as an actor to overcome absolutely so it's kind of one of those things where i don't fault him but i also just didn't really care i am the exact same way i do not fault peck whatsoever i think he did it i I think he did a fine job Right. Of being that character. But it was my own mental disconnect that didn't allow me to really appreciate it and love it because of what you just said. I mean, right. like, like Leonard Nemo was Spock for decades. Right. Decades. And with Pike, we had Pike, like the original actor, he, like Jeffrey Hunter was Pike for one episode. Right. So it's so much easier to develop that character when you only have one episode's worth of like to fight against, right? Uh-huh. Versus decades. You had like with Leonard yeah. Nimoy, you have three seasons of television, a couple of guest spots, I, well, one guest spot on a, on TNG, and then seven movies. Right. So like, it's so hard, right? But I I I thought it was interesting, connect like how they how they added him in i thought was i was totally fine with yeah. i just didn't really care like it's not like oh no we're never going to see spock again. i don't care yeah and i like canon wise i had no problem with it whatever yeah you know like you know like spock had some issues they had to work out because of the red angel yeah. fine like spock has some sort of weird vulcan dyslexia sure that's yeah. that's cool hey that's fine you know representation of of people Absolutely. who have that kind of a uh, that kind of condition, yeah, great. Always, always like they also have uh, characters in wheelchairs on the show. Yeah, I mean, like I love that kind of representation. Absolutely. But, so, like from a story tam- standpoint, I thought it was fine. I thought right. the Michael connection was fine. I really don't understand though why Michael had to be this secret. I I really don't understand that. Like at the end, that really I, confused me. I just so man. at the end of the episode, there's like this conversation where. They are saying like, okay, we've got to like pretend that that never happened. We can't talk about it. It's a secret. We can't talk about discovery and we can't talk about what happened to them. And that was super confusing to me from a story standpoint. Um, Do you understand why they did that? I understand why they did it, but how they did it is what's weird. Why they did it was because no one talks about discovery ever again in future trek and spock never talks about michael with kirk or anybody else So again they're retconning the situation by not talking about it they're trying to justify their own existence which i think is very silly because it's a big universe it is a big universe not everybody has to know everything about discovery and everything that came before it like we never heard about discovery in tng well yeah it was created in the 80s and discovery came out in 2016 right it's just like... The, just ju- let it go. Just let it go. And also, like, we have hundreds of years 
of material from the 22nd century to the 24th century. Like, a lot happens, and not every single person is going to be well-versed in the history of everything. Right. It's okay to have a big universe. And also with Spock, Spock never talked about his brother either, Cybok, until Star Trek, um, um, Star Trek uh, The Final Frontier. Like, okay. that movie came out. He had a half-brother named Cybok, and Kirk's like, no, you don't. You, I know for a fact you don't have a brother. He's like, you're right. I have a half-brother. And Kirk's like, why didn't you ever tell me? Like, that's happened before. Spock is secretive. He doesn't always tell everything to everybody. He's a Vulcan. Okay. And so, like, for him to have an adopted sister, who's not really technically his blood sister, falls into his pattern of only bringing her up if she, if, if, if it, it was if applicable. Yeah, I get it. Okay. And it's okay, just... Okay, so it doesn't really matter. Just leave it alone. Yeah. And then, like, okay, so here's the thing. This is... I'm going to read this to everybody because this is how weird it is. So, right here, like, they're talking with HQ, and Spock says, The destruction of Discovery was tragic, but does in and of itself resolve the issue. Even more radical steps must be taken to ensure that type of scenario never repeats itself. Then he says, Regulation 157, Section 3 requires Starfleet officers to abstain from participating in historical events. Any any residual trace or knowledge of Discovery's data or the time suit offers a foothold for those who might not not see how critical, how deeply critical that directive is. Therefore, to ensure the Federation never finds itself facing the same danger, all officers remaining with knowledge of these events must be ordered never to speak of Discovery, its spore drive, or her crew again. So, they lied. Uh, they lied to HQ. Like, Pike, number one, Spock, lied to HQ, saying it was destroyed, maybe because of the spore drive. Um, that they didn't actually go forward in time. Okay. And so... But why? The, the reason why we're from Gathers is because control is crazy. Like, the control program... They, right. Like, um, control went after them to get the AI... Right, right, So that they could become self-aware, and thus that would end the world. And so Spock, Pike, and Number One are just like, this can never happen again. They can... We can never let anybody know um, what control knew about artificial intelligence on Discovery. And so I... Because it could land in the wrong hands. Right. And so what I think, after a lot of conversation and a lot of self-reflection, as well as research, which I shouldn't have to do... Okay. I think what they're saying is, is that, well, now that we know that, like, time travel totally can happen because we have the specs for the suit. Right. And we know time crystals exist on Borith, somebody else could go back in time... And get the sphere data from Star Trek Discovery before it was destroyed. Okay. And so that's why Spock is bringing up time travel. Even though they lied to HQ. And then mess up the whole thing. And mess up the whole thing. And so like even though Spock lied to HQ and saying that they didn't time jump. Uh-huh. So that was why it was super confusing for me is because they said that they didn't time jump, that they were destroyed. So why would Spock bring up time travel at all? Well, it's the existence of the time suit. Okay. And so now that they know it's possible... With the time suit and that the is, time crystal. That is way too much thinking. It is way too much thinking. I and shouldn't have to like do that. such a like ending tag on, you know, part that like you could be just like not paying attention. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that seems very like, Well, wow. I mean, you should pay attention. I understand, <laughs> but I'm just saying like even where they put it, it's like it wasn't like a huge long drawn out like this is why we're doing this. They didn't explain it right. well enough. You and I are very educated, very smart <laughs> sci-fi fans. We pay attention to these shows. And we were very confused. And we were very confused because yeah. it was not well written. And if you understood it right away, kudos for you. Awesome. Go get a medal. Make yourself an award. <laughs> but the thing is, is that like I know a lot of other people who are just as intelligent, who are diehard Star Trek fans, who had no idea what the hell they were talking about because it went by way too weird. They did not explain it to themselves. Okay. If you want to jump and create headcanon for yourself, that's fine. But this was not well written. Okay. But that is what I'm gathering. But here's what really doesn't make sense. If you move on, Spock does his his whole personal log. And he says, 124 days have passed since your disappearance. It has been difficult, but we've managed not to reveal the truth of Discovery's fate to Starfleet. Okay. Okay? To have done so was to risk rendering your sacrifice meaningless. If we learned anything, we learned we're not yet ready to learn everything. Talking about time travel. Yeah. Talking about the sphere data. Right. AI intelligence. Right. Totally makes sense. Mother and father are diplomatically immune from interrogation, and they fully understand our silence is meant to keep you safe. We have sworn never to speak your name in the presence of others, yet I feel you with, with me always. 
So. So you never had a sister? That's what really doesn't make sense. And that's what, like, I went online trying to figure this out from other people because, like, the destruction of Discovery and, like, time travel, time suit, and spore drive and everything like that, I was like, I kind of get it now. It still wasn't written well, but I kind of get what they were trying to go for now. Right. This about Michael totally doesn't make any sense. This is just purely from the writer saying, oh, that's why Spock never talks about Michael. That's why no one knows about Michael. when they could, Because you're telling me that... Sarek and Amanda, yeah. Sarek and Amanda are supposed to pretend that Michael never existed or never talked about her or like right. never talk, mention her name again. Because right. to never mention her name again in the presence of other people means that you're pretending that she doesn't exist. Right. So why would you do that just because she was involved with a ship named Discovery? That makes no sense. No, it, it, well, it makes sense in the fact that they just want to say, that's why you never heard about her in the future, future, meaning... Mm-hmm. You know, in in the twenty fourth century, century, the later twenty exactly. fourth century. Yeah, Ugh. it's nonsense. Yeah, that it's, is nonsense. It's, it's fan service nonsense that didn't need to happen whatsoever, and it just confuses. And it it just it's yeah, it's hor. I that was probably the thing that I I disliked the most in the episode was the very 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 end. Those little yeah. sentences because it was so poorly written. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's my main criticism of season two overall is the imbalance of writing throughout the season. There was good moments, and then there was some really bad moments. Really bad, boring yeah. setup moments or yeah. moments that were just... You have episodes where you have 90 minutes of material crammed into 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, whoa, what is going on? You're trying to do a feature-length film right. in a TV episode, and everything becomes just craziness. Mm-hmm. And then you also have other episodes, like two episodes in a row, that just build up to something that's going to happen in the end. Right. Like, instead of exploring the material that was actually interesting like oh that would have been cool to see in two episodes versus like all this build up in that one so i feel like there was kind of there was really cool episodes in this season yeah absolutely i still think the opening was my favorite same here um but there was interesting storylines like i i found the whole callback episode with pike Interesting. On Boris, like yeah, when he sees, yeah, yeah, that was very interesting to me. Oh, oh, wait, no, we're talking no, about no, two not different Boris, things. Not, you're talking well, that about, was interesting. You're talking about the Telosians. Telosians was that interesting. That was very interesting. I thought that was a really like to use that past material in like a very creative way. Like that was cool fan service. Like, um, I, you know, you showed me some stuff ahead of time to kind of like prepare me, but I thought that was cool. That was cool prep as a non-Star Trek fan that I enjoyed. Like mm-hmm. I enjoyed that callback from the cage the cage yeah that was really cool um the tilly stuff like i really did not enjoy i really enjoy that character but like that whole thing with like i do i think i think she's interesting like she's like funny in some ways and but honestly this season i got tired of her she was getting exhausting in season two. yeah and i think especially like when that like creature like what was it like that um like kind of enveloped her like yeah. yeah it was like what was it, it was like, like a, kind of like a virus type thing yeah it was like a host a host yeah like, like she was making her like, like that episode i was just like i'm tired of tilly yeah i i, I think <laughs> i i question i question i mouthed like do you really like tilly uh which is totally great podcasting to mouth words <laughs> um but i do like tilly i liked her until they overuse until her. they overuse her and make her over crazy i'm just like you're really gonna you're just gonna run into a briefing with the top brass admirals and pike yeah, and senior officers and just go like oh my god i'm, t- I'm totally sorry like i'm just like uh, uh you know like uh okay oh no 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 you know like it's okay i'm just nervous right now you know uh, you know and i feel like you're it, a starfleet officer it went against like how she acted previously as well like mm-hmm. it just felt off it's true it's true like yeah i liked what they showed in season one of tilly because like some people are saying like oh she's they're showing someone who's neural atypical like someone who might have some uh, like might have a condition or someone who's a little nervous or is dealing with anxiety i like seeing that i like how they addressed it but in season two they're just like oh people like tilly so let's just make her explode on screen right it was it was too much yeah they did make michael way more human which like was so needed because that was my biggest probably criticism season one other than a lot of wasted episodes was that i didn't like michael um, and they really were having a hard time skirting that line between her being raised Vulcan mm-hmm. and being she's still human. So I really think that I really 
enjoyed her as a character this season. Me too. Because she was more human and actually like showed emotion and like I cared about what happened to her. And that connection to her her mom and her dad was really interesting and I think that they gave her so much more purpose this season. Um and like it felt more like, okay, yeah, this is why she's the main character. Whereas I felt like season one, it was kind of like, why does why is she this main character? <laughs> is she the main like, character? Is she the main In character? In season one, yes. there was so much protagonist confusion between oh Lorca and I didn't like and him. Michael. So I loved Lorca. I know, but I didn't. A lot of people don't like like yeah. like we talked with your uncle just yesterday. He's like, Oh, I can't stand Lorca. And I was just like, Am I the only person? Um <laughs> But in season one, I felt like, wait, is Lorca the protagonist? Yeah, we it spent... was too much time with him if he wasn't. And and it was just like, and Michael didn't always have the best things to do in season one. Yes. And so I'm like, is Michael the protagonist or not? But in season two, even with the crazy amount of screen time that Pike had, there was no doubt that Michael was the protagonist. Right. And right. that's one thing that I thoroughly enjoyed of season two. Yeah, absolutely. And just, like, giving her more connection that we actually felt something, you know, when her mother has been trying to get back to her and trying to, like, warn her this whole time. And she thought she was dead the whole time. You know, it was just yeah. a very interesting storyline to follow. I enjoyed the Red the red Angel storyline. It kind of reminded me of the wasps, wasp suit from Marvel. <laughs> it's very similar. Yes. And, um, I mean, obviously different function, but it just reminded me of that a lot. Um but yeah, I think that there was, I thought the cast was overall good. There was some kind of episodes where the writing was really like, ugh, ugh. For example, in the last episode, like when um, they're about to go kill the AI, what's his name? Uh, Leland. Yeah, Leland. And then like the number two, I think it is. Or no, it's like the- Non? Was it? Wait, you're talking about the woman with, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. with the things was it, on her was cheeks? Her, name her name's not. Okay. She says like, yum, yum. When oh, my God. That was like, who wrote this? There's it totally took me out of really, it. really, really cringeworthy dialogue oh during gosh. that scene. Like, I liked seeing Nan and Giorgio work together. Oh, yeah. No, that was fine. But and like, I liked what they did, but the dialogue that they had back and me forth out of it. was horrible. It was so bad. Like, if you liked the cheesy dialogue because it's so cheesy, like because it's so bad, it's good. That's your thing. But it was no. cheesy, horrible dialogue. Tilly had a lot of that dialogue throughout this season too, mm -hmm. where it was just like, why would you write that down for her to say? But then you have stuff like between Michael and Spock and Pike, where you're just like, wow, this is yeah, well written, right? I feel like there were certain times when the dialogue was well written, but overall, the season itself lacked cohesion. It was better than season one. Yeah. But it could have been even better because I felt like, like so many people were saying like, oh, well, you know, it might be easier to explore these characters if it was like the old days where you had 24 episodes. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's 2019. I never need any more 24 episode no, seasons. No, we don't need 24 episode seasons anymore. It's 2019. You can do amazing storylines and amazing character development in 13 episodes. Yes. It's very possible. Just use your A time A lot wisely. of shows do it. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, there's so many times, like, I look at the gold standard of House of Cards and that dropped a season all at once, 13 episodes, and you hardly ever waste any episodes. You hardly waste any this moments. This was in the early days. This is the early days. And you have, you have tons of characters. Yeah. Tons of characters. Right. But you know who each person is and right. each person has their moment. Absolutely. And yeah. And... What yeah. did you think about the Suru storyline, like his backstory and liked, his like connection with his sister? And that short trek was the one that I liked the most. Mm -hmm. Was his storyline, his backstory? So I was really intrigued to see that come to the main show. Um, I felt it like it, it was it was good to see. I I liked the events, but it was I think that episode specifically was another victim of feature-length storytelling in 45 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I felt that too. Because it felt super rushed at the end. Again, mm -hmm. I like the story. I like the people. I like the order of events. But it just got so dang rushed at the end. Yeah, it was like, wait, spend more time. And then like Pike was making like global decisions in yes. like five seconds. Yes, that episode is particularly, you were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, you are Slow Starfleet. Down. You are not gods. Exactly, exactly. And Pike himself... 
would be very wary of that. That's what yeah. really makes it weird. I know there was a gray area when it came to the Prime Directive well, with I, this planet, but and I totally feel like even in like like go give two more episodes, and then there was like he had to spend a lot of a laboring time making other decisions. So it was just it did not match up. Yeah, you know, it was just so strange because they had such great storylines that they they basically they could have chopped up the season into three parts. Where you just spit, like you have, you spend a lot of time here, a lot of time here, a lot of time here. Like you could, like if you didn't want to make the control storyline the whole season, which they easily could have, right? Because that definitely felt tacked on. Yeah, you could expand, you expand that to the latter third, and then have Saru's storyline right. in the opening third. I mean, I mean, in the middle third, mm-hmm. and then have just the discovery of the Red Angel and what that means in the front. Right. And there you go. Like you have your three act structure. And if you don't, if you, and that way you can keep it more episodic for the hardcore Star Trek fans, but still have that overarching Red Angel theme. Mm -hmm. And, but they just, they jumped all over the place. They, they had like three episodes of content into one and then they wasted time later on. You're just like, right. Like plot it out better. And they were like spiritual, like farmers, the Tarus people. And then like in the last episode, they had like learned how to. They were flying fighters. Fighters. Like, I did not understand that. It was like, just so you know, he has a sister and she needs to say goodbye. Yeah, that's all it was. Like, Like, did we need that race there? They got the Klingons. No, we did not. I mean. That was more than enough. Yeah, like the Klingons going and like that was exciting because it was like, oh, awesome. Like, you know, kind of gave you some closure with the Klingons where like, okay, you know, yes, we had a war, but now we're all fighting for life. You know, for mm-hmm. us not to be wiped out. Which is a very common sci-fi theme. Right. Which is great. Because Absolutely. they've done it in Deep Space Nine. They've done it in Orville. They've done it in countless other places that I that I can't even mention right now. But yeah, like... It would, like you said, it was perfect closure yeah, for the Klingons absolutely. because we're never going to see them again. Right. We're never going to see those Klingons again because we're going to be jumping forward right. in season three. Absolutely. And and like you said, it gave that closure. And then they, it was a little Dossex Machina. Like, oh my God, we're yeah. going to die. And then boom, they come in. But whatever. It right. was fun. It was, yeah. We didn't need the the Baul or what I think, whatever they're called. Yeah. I can't remember. We didn't need Saru's race there. It was just to say goodbye. Right. That's all it was. And it yeah. was like, hey, I learned how to fly a fighter. Yeah. You know, it was. Speaking of which, like with the tech. With the Enterprise, I didn't know the Enterprise could do all that. <laughs> Did you know the you Enterprise? Are, you are poking me right now. I am. Um, yes, I am. Um, <laughs> you, are, you are specifically and purposefully poking the bear. Just a little bit. For the show. It's fun. Um, I am not one of those people who mind retcons. I don't. I don't mind retcons whatsoever. I really don't. Like when Discovery came out and they had a crazy bridge and they had like holographic uh, emitters to like, so they could have communication that way. Uh, When they had like a pseudo, um, you know, holodeck so that they could have a training grounds. Like when they had crazy shuttles. Yeah. I'm like, okay, it's, it's 2019. Mm -hmm. Like this stuff was, it was quote unquote invented in 1966. Right. It's not going to look the same. I don't want a cardboard set on Star Trek Discovery. I get it. So I make my peace with the visual aesthetic mm-hmm. of Star Trek Discovery. I really do. Yeah. Um, for all the reasons I just stated. Canon retconning when it comes to certain types of technology or how it interacts with story or, um, you know, like if they said like, oh, all of a sudden, you know, like Spock, um, you know, like what didn't like science. I'd be like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. Right, no, right, Spock, right. I understand Spock that. Spock likes science. Like that kind of stuff. But what about I, the ship? Like, the what about the R2-D2s on the... the <laughs> that Okay, that's the thing that kind of... it that crossed, Fixing the ship. That skirted and crossed the line a little bit for me because, like, that's a little bit more than just a visual aesthetic. Like, that is a... That is ripped from the Phantom Menace. Yeah. Like, it was... There was a lot in the last episode that was very Star Wars. And I understand that Star Wars has mass appeal obviously yeah it's a multi-billion dollar franchise within itself but it's very different with just a few tweaks you could have made that last battle less star wars and more star trek i didn't need the pod drones that yeah did that don't exist even in the 24th century yeah let alone the 23rd century So like they're they're pods that you could like escape pods but they also can fight i don't think they're escape pods and i don't know if anybody's actually in them 
Okay. I think they're drones, but they didn't really make that clear. So and Ender's Game style? I think, yes, yes. I okay. think they're Ender Game, Ender's Game style drones that okay. can be controlled, um, but they're, they don't have anybody in them. And then they have the shuttles that are acting like X-Wing fighters. Shuttles are not fighters. Like in Deep Space Nine, in the big battles that they had, they had they brought in specific one-man fighters for a battle. Okay. They're like, the fighters are here. The wing squadrons are here. Here we go. We got our starships. We got our fighters. They didn't, like, turn a shuttle into a fighter. Like, okay, sometimes they did where they're just like, sometimes a shuttle has to fight, but it's uh -huh. not a fighter. Okay, gotcha. And that's what really bugged me is that they had just these dozens, if not hundreds of shuttles and pods that just came out of the Enterprise. Like, that's all that's inside of it. Yeah, like, I was like, what's the, wait, wait, wait. What's the internal workings of this thing? Like, exactly. The Like in TOS, the, the shuttle bay was large, but just for like a few shuttles, right. not dozens and hundreds of pods. And I know that they tried, like number one said like, oh, we picked up these guys along the way. Like you can't fit all that in the Enterprise. Right. Like and that makes sense to me. That's one thing that really bothers me is that like in Star Trek, they go out of their way to explain and show how things work. In Star Wars, things just work. Right, right. I think that's the appeal of Star yeah. Trek, right, to Star Trek fans is that it's much more like rooted in, I mean, I know it's not real, but like more realistic science versus... Science concepts. Sci right, right. Science concepts versus like Star Wars, you're just like... And I'm a Star Wars fan, so... Hardcore. So, you know, it's more of the... Fantasy. Fantasy, it's, you know... Like, I think Mark Hamill even said, like, more Wizard of Oz, you know, versus Star Trek is much more gr grounded. Yeah. You know. Or at least tries to be. Right. They make right. the excuse. They try to give you the gobbledygook. Exactly. To explain why things are happening, even if it's nonsense. Right. Uh, but with, you know, with this is that, like, even when they show, like, the inner workings of the turbo lifts... That doesn't make sense. Do you remember those shots? Yeah, I do. Those don't make sense. No, they don't. Think of all the wasted space yeah. inside. I was like, wait, where are they fitting the people then? Like just like the, yeah, yeah, just like the, the living quarters and the all and and like yeah, it doesn't make sense. Just imagine if a modern day elevator system in a building worked like that. Yeah. We're like it's a shaft. It's like Willy Wonka. That's yeah going on here. Yeah. That, that's the thing. Like those types of things piss me off. Uh-huh. It's not gonna ruin the story for me. No. And but it does give you an eye roll as a fan. It does give me an eye roll as a fan. And it's just like, that's not how Star Trek is done. Does that make it not Star Trek? No, because I'm not a jerk. <laughs> um, but they could have easily just made it a ship-to-ship -ship battle. Like, Section 31 doesn't have to have, like, 30 ships and then hundreds of drones. Like, you could just have it have 10 ships. And so it's 10 against 2 with a couple of... Um, Shuttles who have been rigged to fight still would have been awesome and epic. Throw in a few drones, but like just bring the numbers down, right? And make it more ship to ship. I think that that was what was overwhelming too. I think it just became noise at a certain point. It right. was like I don't even really care what's happening because it's too much. Like there's a certain point where my brain like just kind of turns off when it's like too much to look at. Yeah, and like when when Michael was in her spacesuit. And she was yes. going through space. Like, there was a time when I'm like, oh, wow, this is actually really impressive. This is really cool. Right. And I'm like, wait, where is she again? Yes. No, I did the same thing. Because, like, at first I was like, oh, that's really cool. You know, she's got an Iron Man suit. <laughs> and then at a certain point, you're like, wait, what am I looking at? Yeah. I don't know what I'm looking at anymore. So I want to ask you, because I thought I thought the last episode was very entertaining. Yeah. Like I'm 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 nitpicking on this stuff. Like I don't like that they had astromech droids. I didn't like that mm -hmm. they had drones and fighters and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. But regardless of that, I thought it was a cool battle. It was really interesting, really visually pleasing. Um and I thought the storyline was good. I didn't like that they kept pausing for emotional moments. Yeah. Where I'm just like, but this is that's just TV. Right. I was gonna where say where I'm screaming like people are dying. Well, I think in I think maybe it would have felt differently if they didn't do so much of that in the previous episode. Yeah. Because yes. I felt like they did a lot of that in the the like the episode before. So it was kind of like, okay, now we're still saying goodbye. In the 13th episode, everybody's saying goodbye on the level of, this is the last episode of a seven-season show. <laughs> You're like, oh, wait, no, it's the penultimate episode of a two-season show? Hmm. Yeah, it felt a little too It's like It's like when much. you have your first show on Broadway and you take five bows. <laughs> 
We're like, did you earn those five pounds? <laughs> um, but the question I want to ask you is, so when they revealed who the Red Angel originally was, being mm-hmm. her mom, mm-hmm. her biological mom, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Because like, first it was, oh, it's it's Michael. And, and they're like, lazy. no, yeah. lazy, that's lazy, 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 that's stupid. That's the one person I didn't want you. I would rather have it be Saru than Michael. <laughs> and then they say, like, at the end of the episode, it's like, oh, it's not Michael, it's her mom. And I'm like, okay, cool. But then... It is Michael. In the last episode, it's like, ah, no, we fooled you again. It's actually Michael. I didn't mind it. I thought I, I thought it would piss me off, but I didn't mind it because they gave us... They went through the whole rigmarole. How did you feel about that? You know, okay, so... I would I think I think they tricked me. <laughs> I think that because they said it wasn't that my brain was like, "Oh, cool, it's not." They were being more creative. But then in the last episode, it ends up being her and it's like, "Okay, I, I you know, honestly, you just kind of want her to do what she wants she's going to do, so you don't even like realize what they're actually doing to you." It's so true. until you just said that to me, I honestly completely forgot that she was that I cared. Yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't really care until this moment. It's so, so you're so, it's yeah, so accurate. They tricked me. They, tr- they trick you. They trick you into not caring. Right. And you're just like, oh, right, wait. You just want her to succeed just, in her mission. Just do what you need to do. Exactly. Like, yeah, just do the thing. Right. Um, And so they, I think they, I think that what they did was good because like, at first you didn't want it to be Michael, but then you liked that it was their mom, but then you're just like, okay, fine, I don't care. There was a lot of predictable moments though in that whole thing with like, Spock going and like with the the like the shuttle and you're I mean the moment he goes in the shuttle I'm like he's not gonna make it yeah he's not gonna like go. he's because he's gonna he has to get to Enterprise I mean it's everyone Spock. knows that <laughs> yeah. so it's just kind of like all right like I mean we know why he's there he's gonna say goodbye and then something's going to happen and he can't go with you yeah. know it's just yeah it was a little too predictable it's the problem with prequels right 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 like you you know who's gonna survive and who's not exactly and you knew that the enterprise wasn't going to explode Mm -hmm. except i mean one door is going to cause like is going to save the ship that i was going to ask you that that how would that even work blast doors are a real thing yeah but like to that extreme no okay because like there there's a circumstance in voyager that was very similar Okay. Where, um, where, like, okay, so they're like, it was in the year of hell, part one or two, I can't remember. And, uh, th- something was going to explode on a deck. Okay. Like, something was going to explode, and the doctor's there, and he needs to shut a door. He needs to shut a blast door. Okay. And they're screaming at the doctor, like, you need to shut the door, but he's waiting on two crewmen mm-hmm. to run towards him, mm-hmm. and he can't wait any longer. And they're like, if you don't, like if you do not shut that door we could lose the entire deck okay and he shuts the door and they just lose a section okay that makes sense right because there could be a cascade effect um you know there, there's a cascade effect with explosions but the thing is is that enterprise has multiple blast doors yeah so if there's just one that's not working you could lose a deck or a section they're trying to say just we, a room like basically we, like we, that's how it felt they were saying like they could lose the ship or like lose the bridge crew like it was weird because at the beginning they said they could lose the ship, but then they like they said changed that they, it, they right? changed it to just the bridge crew above. So I guess that does kind of make sense. But it was weird. It felt a little forced to it me. It felt forced, and also apparently you have R two D two. Yeah. So why not just have him close the blast door? I don't know. You know, just have R two D two do it because they wanted to get rid of that actress because she didn't yeah. have a purpose for a long time. Oh my gosh, she was kind of a pointless admiral. Yeah. Um. Which a lot of people loved, but I would have loved to have seen her actually do more. Yeah, seriously. But regardless. <laughs> um, so like the Red Angel stuff, like, yeah, that didn't really bother me because they trick you into not caring. Right. Though the one thing that I didn't quite understand, but I've, I've, I've made my peace with my own headcanon. They might have explained this and I just missed it. But so they say that like you can only use the time crystal once to move forward into the future and to make a, a, a hole big enough for Discovery and her but then she can use it five times in the past. That doesn't make sense, right? No, that doesn't make so sense. So like she like when Spock is disabled and Michael's there and they're like, I can't move towards the future. And Spock's like, well, you got to be the right angel. You got to make the five lights or the seven lights or whatever. You got to do that. And she's like, okay, cool. I'll just use, I'll just jump five times. Right. With the time crystal, which is supposed to burn out immediately. And so, again, like, maybe I missed something, but maybe you can, like, going back in the past doesn't, 
drain the time time crystal as much. And if it's just like a, a hole big enough yeah, for her. Yeah, but I didn't, I, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. But. And they didn't explain that. No. Or maybe And again, did. in that moment, I didn't really care because I was just like, use the crystal. Yeah. Just Get like, there. Stop saying goodbye. Right. Just go. <laughs> just go into the future. Honestly, at that point in the episode, I was like, just go. Just go. Because it True. was like too much. It was like too much stimulation. So I was just like, just get out. <laughs> I was the same So way. maybe I didn't like the episode quite as much as you. But <laughs> maybe because I liked it. I liked it. But there okay. was a lot to nitpick. Yeah. And there was a lot to go down. Now, there. okay. So I saw a an alternate fan ending. Okay. Like someone who was like us and didn't like how it ended. Okay. Um, and didn't think that they explained it well enough. One person said, actually, this was a couple of people. And I, I'm totally blanking on who it was. And I apologize if you're listening. But one person said, like, wouldn't it be interesting if instead of saying, uh, like, instead of saying, like, oh, well, like, let's have hundreds, if not thousands of people who were involved in Discovery's <laughs> missions just keep a lid on it. Yeah. Um, what if they, what if we had Spock and Pike go to the Telosians and say, can you help us kind of alter reality? So yeah, that, that totally makes more so sense. So that nobody, like, nobody says anything. And then, like, one person chimed in again and said... Yeah, and their um their price would be okay. We'll do this for you, but the Federation needs to make it a ban on this planet and make it punishable by death if everybody goes to this planet. Which in Star Trek lore, the only death penalty is to go to that planet, and no one knows why. And Discovery still hasn't explained it. So just imagine if they did that. Well, then that would be a great callback. It'd be a great callback. It would tie up all these loose ends. It would have the same kind of ending, except explain a whole lot more and make more sense. Yeah, I like that more. And I do too, but I'm like, that's not what they went with, so that's fine. And some people might think it's more fan servicey, but like, I I talked about this with some people, and uh, they were just like, no, that's complete like Voyager style reset button. That would have been horrible. That that robs all of the emotional content. I'm like no like it's just like there's there's a section of fans out there where if the writers do it then it's gold it's dazzling no writers mess up all the the time time. and that's okay all the time and it's just i'm a fan of lost okay (laughs) fans writers mess up all the time yes all the time all the time so no and no it's just it's just like if this, if the, like there's this section of fans where like if the fans did that whole Telosian thing, they would have been bowed down on their knees saying that it was amazing just like they're doing with this one. Right, Just right. because the writers did it. Right. But if anybody dreams up another scenario of like, oh, why didn't they do this? Like, well, you're not the writers. They obviously spent more time on it than you. And just like you have these, you have pro-discovery people, you have anti-discovery people who are like both fanatics in their own route. And I've blocked the same amount of people on either side on Twitter. Well, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's and so like, just be down the middle. Exactly. Like, I think you can analyze things like they're there. Like, that's why we have this show. It's fun, right? It's exactly. fun to think and use your brain. You don't have to accept everything that you're fed, right? But at the same time, you don't have to hate watch things. Oh, that's hor- yeah. So, it's, you know, it's like that happy medium of like, have your own mind. But if you really hate something so much, then stop watching it. Yeah, there's a difference between hate watching a TV show and uh, hate watching Twilight. Like, there's a difference. Right, <laughs> right. It's, you know, like, just, it, just like, let people have their own opinions. Yes, exactly. Let people have right. their own opinions. Don't feel like you need to infect other people with your own negativity. But also, don't infect people with your fake positivity. Yeah, that's you, exhausting, too. You liking something does not make it bulletproof. Yes, exactly. That's very true. Is that where you want to end? I kind of do. I feel like, (laughs) hey, that was a good one-liner. Okay. I'm going to write that down. All right. I'm going to use it. Well, thank you for uh, listening. And hopefully you can tell us what you thought of Discovery Season 2. Yes, please do. Whether you liked it, whether you were like, "Mm, no, that was terrible. What did you think? And also, if you think we're crazy, these these are just our opinions. Right. And this is just, just how people. we feel. It is yeah. by no means binding or absolute. This is just our opinion on things. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's people out there who are just like, no, it was worse than season one. There are people <laughs> out there who are like, no, this is spun gold. Right. Um, yeah, I'm sure that there's people out there like that. Exactly. And if you like our show, let us know. Yeah. Be respectful. <laughs> 
and we'll be respectful back. Absolutely. We thank you so much for listening. And uh, and as as always, go to the nerdparty.com yeah. for to contact us to get our back catalog and also check out everybody else on the network. We have so many great shows coming at you: Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, Doctor Who, so many different types of things in film and television and everything like that. I love you. I know. Scully. Yes. Marry me. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. I love that woman. I love her more than sharks love blood. I love you. I know. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.